guess first things first, man. Uh, how have you? Uh, how have you been? How are? How's quarantine been treating you and the family? Uh, it's it's been good. I mean, we we haven't really had any downtime to be quite honest with you. You know, once uh, once quarantine hit, we stayed um, we stayed in camp myself and Francis, and then um, there was a handful of my guys that I knew had a, a short path to get into UFC, like um, Gustavo Lopez, uh, Justin James. Like there's there was a handful of guys that we wanted to make sure they stayed busy in the room, and and you know what, it, it ended up working out in the in the long run because these guys ended up getting those calls. Yeah, I had Justin Janes on last Monday before he was an official UFC fighter. Yeah. Uh, hell of a weekend for uh, for him, man. It was uh, crazy to watch. Unbelievable. Quick turnaround. Got in there and put him away in 45 seconds. I guess. What's your thought of that as a, as a coach? And what's the overall message to, to fighters about staying ready? Um, I think it's I think it's just, uh, it's important first and foremost to be within striking distance especially when you're right outside of the UFC and we talk about that all the time and it's been it's been a, a motto of just staying ready um, because you want to make sure that when that phone does ring that you can't you're, you're, there's no opportunity to, to turn it down so what we did was we even kind of took that one step further where uh, we were telling guys to go get their medicals done go get their MRIs and their medicals done so when the phone does ring you're not only uh, in shape, your weight's down, but you're two steps or three steps ahead with having your medicals all taken care of. So uh, Justin is a guy that, I mean, he's been working so hard. He's just been right on the outside of the UFC. Um, and his body language on that last Monday, you know, he was he was down and out. He was bummed that a guy that used to train here in Max Roscoff would got a call over him. And I could see it in his heart, man, in his eyes. Like the, the, kid, was, the kid was upset. But it's amazing what, 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 what we can do, you know? Yeah, I mean – you're the general manager as well as one of the, the main coaches. How has the pandemic really affected Extreme Couture? Obviously, Extreme Couture is a bigger gym. Um, I'm sure financially they things are fine. But I guess what was the overall like impact uh, on the fighters and the, and, uh, and the gym? Well, you know, for me, man, we're, it's all about camaraderie. It's about being around each other and that, that team environment. That's what's most important. And sometimes when you alienate that or you take that away, that's what that's what suffers the most. So the one thing that I was always prideful in in the fact of what during the pandemic when we weren't around each other and we didn't have team practice, that was the one thing that most of the, most of the fighters hit me up about. I was like, man, I just miss the team. I miss being around the being around the fellas and the ladies and just getting to work, you know. So that was hard. That was hard to get over that part. But um, you know, once we were able to open the doors up again, I mean, you bet we were right back to work. So we'll start. We'll start, I guess, by talking a little bit about about your background because I think I think it is in football, right? Yeah, how's the football guy? How'd you how'd you get into MMA and, and coaching at uh, Extreme Couture? So it was, um, I think it was 2007 when Randy was he, just about to open the gym. He was training for Tim Sylvia. Um, just kind of a lost kid, man. I really didn't know what I wanted to do after playing ball. And uh, th that was the one thing that I, I think I missed the most was that camaraderie and that, and that team, if you will. Um, I sat foot in the gym, and they weren't even really open yet. They, they were just about a month away from opening their doors. And then uh, Randy just invited me back in and said, let's come in and start getting some work. It's just a bunch of pro fighters. And I pile and Jay Han and, you know, John Alessi and those guys, and they just beat the shit out of me for, for a couple weeks on end. And then, um, you know, the gym opened up. I started training underneath Dennis Davis and then Mike Pyle. And it was about a year into it I started um, – started coaching here so they gave me a grappling coach position and just kind of took the took the ball and ran with it what sorts of lessons from football can you apply to to some of your fighters 
you know, for me, I think as a coach, I'm a big film guy. So watching a lot of film is, is, a, is a big uh, asset of mine that I've always enjoyed doing, even in football. So studying my opponent and studying my, ourselves as well, it's very important not only to watch your opponent, but to watch your, your fighter and, and break yourself down to try to look for some, um, some patterns and some things that you might be not noticing and doing. Because if, if I'm not watching it, well, you know or your opponent's watching it, and they might see something that you're not. So uh, to me, really, it's, it's been a lot, of, a lot of film. And, of course, you know, the team, the team aspect and putting, putting uh, the team ahead of you and, and making sure that you're not above that and setting that standard, that's always been very important to me as well. So we, you mentioned Randy. It is his birthday, so we have to get him a, give him a shout-out on his birthday. Um, who, what is Randy like as a, as a friend and as a fellow coach and, and an athlete? Man, well, you know, he's, he's just like he's like my big brother. So he's um, just full of knowledge, I, I, almost to the point where I forget about – not necessarily forget, but I don't want to bug him about stuff. And then when I, when I do, when I ask him certain questions, he gives me such insight on, on what he thinks as far as game plan-wise goes. He's, he was always one of the best game plan masterminds that's ever fought in MMA. And, you know, for me, it's like I'm always, I'm always learning and I'm always trying to evolve my game. So anytime I can involve Randy in anything that I do, I learn so much from him, whether it's the mental side of the game or the actual physical side of the game. That's why I brought him on when um, we had Francis, when Francis was fighting Jarzinho. It was important to bring Randy in here, not only for what his knowledge is, but I wanted Francis to understand what a UFC champion, his mindset was and, and the way he carried himself on his day-to-day, and it was important for him to see that. Yeah, I think the, big, the biggest thing I noticed about Francis is his mindset has changed tremendously since that first title fight. Um, you know, the, he's just starching guys, he's going crazy, he's knocking out guys in 45 seconds. UFC title holders, future Hall of Famers. What changes has he made uh, since joining Extreme Couture? And what can we expect if he gets another title shot, if it goes the distance or if it's outside of a minute? What, what changes can we expect um, from Francis? Well, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, I guess it's a good problem to have because, you know, since he's been in Extreme Couture with, when the first uh, Blades fight, or excuse me, the second Blades fight, that's when he was, started training here more full-time. Um, He's been working on and evolving his game, and fortunately for us, he hasn't really had to show it. But um, in the in that time frame, he's really worked on his MMA cardio, his wrestling, his ground game, to the point where you know, in the in the last sparring sessions we have with Bogoy Avanov, he was taking Bogoy down repeatedly, and this is a world sambo champ, and he and Bogoy couldn't even get back up. So we're starting to see this guy kind of turn a corner and understand it's not just all about the home run. We want to make sure that he's covered in all assets in this sport because, like you said, I mean, not all, not every fight's going to get past, you know, the first minute. Sometimes you're going to have to dig deep, and we're going to have to get in a deeper round. Well, what do we need to get out of that? We're definitely going to make sure our cardio is on point. We're going to have to be able to wrestle and counter wrestle, and shit, we might even take some people down along the way. Yeah, I think that was the biggest thing that uh, you know, going into that steep, that first steep A fight. Um, once the once steep A got a hold of him, it was completely different it, we saw a side of francis that that we hadn't seen before um and i think a lot of people think thought was okay we found his weakness um but when he fought curtis blades that second time i thought it was just going to be like oh we found the blueprint take him down um but it what's it like holding the pads for a guy with that much power it's it's like 
it's funny because Coach Dewey Cooper and I we hold pads from all the time, and um, it's it's honestly the best, the closest thing you're ever gonna do like jumping out of an airplane. You're like, oh shit, all right, here we go, and then you just then you go. But um, him and I hit a lot. We we hit a lot of pads. Um, we work on a lot of movement. We work on a lot of technique. And, you know, over time, it's it's just like, it's like just freaking cage with a shark. You know, the shark can bite your hand off at any point. So you got to be careful behind your P's and Q's. But, you know, he is by far, pound for pound, the hardest hitter I've ever held for. Yeah, including football players? Yeah, I mean, you know, Ray Seffo, Ray Seffo's up there. You know, Ray, there's, there's something about Ray, the way, the, Ray uh, the way he hits and the style he hits is, very precise, very quick, all technique behind it. Ray, Ray hits hard. Vinny Magalash kicks hard as hell. You know, there's some guys that there's guys that would uh, that would argue that, but yeah, Francis pound for pound for sure. Yeah, um, so he's pretty much it's, he's in a really weird spot where he essentially cleaned out the division before he's got a second shot at a title. What would you like to see next for him? Obviously, there's a big title fight there in the heavyweight division, but we don't really know what's going to happen between Cormier and Stipe. As a friend and as a coach, obviously. You know, you probably want him to stay active, but at the same time, it's, you know, you don't want to risk it. Uh, you've got a shot at a title that's guaranteed. It's guaranteed to be his. What would you like to see from him? No, I, again, like I, I kind of leave that up to him and his managers, but, you know, I, I'm with you. There's, there's really no other fight to make but a, but a title fight. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's probably not going to be until about December, if that's the case. And then depending on, on who comes out of this on top and if DC does, does decide to retire, I mean, hell, Stipe can win and defend the title and, and retire himself. So we don't know we don't know what the scenario might be, but um, I, I'm with you, man. There's really nothing else to make but other than sit back and wait. But in the meantime, it's important to use this time wisely and prepare and get better on all the areas that we need to work on. If we're just sitting around and worrying about, you know, knocking guys out in the first minute, that's, that's, not, that's not logical. So we need to get back in and get back in and get working and doing all those little things. And that's what he's been doing. He's been in every week and we're always just kind of just build a little bit on top of all the skill set that he has already. Obviously you've probably, you built a huge connection with a lot of your fighters. Fight Island is, is, is huge. Everyone wants to be a part of it as a coach. Is that something that you're like, ah, man, I got kids at home. I don't know if I want to go through that. I don't know if I want to travel all the way over there, risk catching something or are you all in? It's like if if I get the call to go, I'm I'm all in. I'm going. Yeah, I'm all in. I'm all in, man. And, and then these are my guys, and I love them. And uh, you know, obviously Danny Gay got the call. I wasn't. We weren't expecting to be fighting this soon. Um, you know, and right away we got the call, and and that was it. We jumped right on it. Uh, I planned on trying to go out with Joe Benavidez, so it worked out just perfect. Where I'll have Dan, and then I'll stay out there and corner Joe. But uh, whatever whatever I can do for these guys. Of course, um, when the first pandemic hit, I sat down and talked with my wife and kids about possibly cornering during the pandemic and, and at the one at Tachi Palace, which was planned to be. And, um, you know, all of them had no problem with it. They felt quite comfortable with me going out and, and doing my job. And uh, I appreciate that because without my family, had they had some resentment or, or pushback towards it, it would have definitely probably changed my mind a little bit towards, towards that. But chances are I would still, I would still go. You have to think that the the location of the UFC headquarters being right there in Vegas, that was definitely favorable for Extreme Couture because I'm sure any late minute, any last minute replacements, you're probably one of the first gyms. Um, I think that's that was probably key to guys like Justin getting that call. Um, wh what are your thoughts? And I guess 
as a whole, what, what are your thoughts on the UFC doing what they did and, and staying active and being ahead and being like, you know what, we're going to do this. I know all other sports are canceled, but let's go ahead and, and put these fights on. Yeah, I actually sent Dana a text after uh, Jacksonville because, you know, um, you know, I had Francis, I had Dan Ige, and I had Claudia Gadelia. And, you know, he, he provided us a platform, but also an opportunity to make some money during a time when, when no one's making any money. You know, and, and without those fights and without, obviously, the guys winning, um, you know, I was able to, to provide for my family during a, during a rough pandemic where, you know, a lot of people are, are not working at this time. So I get it. I understand that there's inherent risk in everything we do in life. And then putting ourselves out there a little bit more during this time was, is certainly risky. But uh, I appreciate the fact and I, I applaud I, I applaud Dana for doing what he did because, you know, it gave us all a platform to be able to make a little money and work. So we've talked about Danny Gay, We've talked about Francis Ngannou, Justin James, Claudia Gadella. Who are the up-and-comers out of Extreme Couture? Who can we expect in the UFC in the next one, two years? Who do you think really has a shot at, at making a name for themselves? Well, right now we, we have Puna Soriano, who's in the UFC. Um, you only got to see him for a brief moment. Um, and we saw what he was able to do in the first round. He's probably one of the more exciting guys that uh, I'm, I'm, I can't wait to get this kid back in the cage again. You know, um, I think Puna for sure. Gustavo Lopez, you saw him just get his shot. Uh, yeah. That was obviously a, a one-day notice, and you didn't get to see the best of him. But I'm so proud of what he was able to do and not quitting, being in there for three rounds, working working as hard as he could, having a smile on his face throughout the whole fight. Didn't go his way. He lost the fight, but he won the battle. You know, So I was, uh, I was super happy with him. Uh, Boston Salmon, he was been in the UFC. He fought at 135. He had some very, very tough weight cuts. That I think as for as far as us as, as a coaching staff and UFCPI, we failed him on that. We should have had him fight at featherweight early on. So he, now he's going to get his shot back into LFA fighting at featherweight. So I'm really excited to see him get get into a new weight class and see him a lot healthier. And then uh, we got Montel Williams. That's a uh, Montel Williams Jr. Man, this kid started with training with us when he was 18 years old. He is a prodigy in this room. The way the what he does uh, in the in the middleweight and welterweight division. This kid's a guy to keep your eye out on him. He's going to fight next week up in Montana. He's an absolute stud. All right. Now we'll kind of talk last. We'll like end it up on some non-MMA material, man. Um, you're, you're a father of three. You've worked with guys like Francis Ngannou, uh, all these legends. What Would you like to see your kid be a fighter knowing that there's animals like Francis out there? <laughs> you know, I, I'll leave that up to him. And he loves the sport. Uh, he's He's – you know, I got videos and pictures of him and like actually Steve A when he was just barely walking and he's walks around always wearing boxing gloves. He's always punching stuff. He's always hitting stuff. It's one thing now when you get a punch something, it doesn't hit you back. But once you get popped in the nose, it might change your tune a little bit. But, um, you know, my dad was so great with me coming up. He always just pushed me in whatever sport I decided to do. And, you know, my dad was my football coach and I came from a long line of, of, of football coaches in my in my family. So football was natural for me, and that was something that fit me really well. So I think for Knox, I would try to get him into some wrestling and you know see how he takes to it. Uh, but whatever he decides to do, man, I'm going to always have his back and support him. I love it, man. Thanks for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Um, best of luck out there in Fight Island. I'm really rooting for Dan Ige. I know it's a quick turnaround. I think it's just over two months. Um, so it's going to be a tough fight. I'm looking forward to uh, to all your fighters, man, and f hopefully Francis gets back out there. I, every time he's on TV, man, I'm like, I got to watch this because someone's head's going to get blown off. 
Um, it's the best seat in the house, I'll tell you that. <laughs> man, it's so exciting, man. I want to see him box like Deontay Wilder or something, but uh, I know that's probably somewhere down the line. But man, he's 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 a physical specimen and unbelievable to watch. Absolutely, yeah. He's uh, I can't wait to get him back in there, and you know, hopefully soon we'll be able to so so show some more of that MMA game that we've been working on so hard. All right, man. Thanks for the time. I appreciate it, and all the best. All right, bro. Thank you, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, stay safe. You too. Let it.